0: Controls will have to be imposed, and and, and a world governing body will be
1: created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Half. We we go deep, (laughs) homeboys. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional ideas. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim Foil Hat. Tim foil. Yes, and welcome. Come on. Welcome to another fun-fested episode of Tim Foil Hat with Sam Tripley. You know who we are. You know what we're here to do. Joining me is over. My ride or die friend, XG, everybody. Ooh, what's up? The kids are going crazy. They love XG. They love them. They love them. Ah, uh, guys. What a wonderful time to be alive. So much amazing thing. This episode is going to be great. This episode's going to be great. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at BetDSI. That's right. BetDSI. Okay. There, this is a wonderful time to start gambling, dude. Get into those. We got World Series starts this week. My favorite basketball's going, dude. Clippers looking good. Kings looking good, too. Everybody's looking good. It's a wide open season. You make bets, and the NFL is almost midway. Uh, Unless you're a Raiders fan, you're loving the sport. So go to BetDSI. Use the promo code HAT100, okay? And you get $20 betting cash. They'll take care of you. Help the show. If you, if you like to gamble, help us out, because this stuff helps us grow. We got the website about to drop. The new website's going to look sick, so we uh, appreciate you. A lot of live shows coming up, guys. You want to see us live? You want to see some well-crafted, multi-layered dick jokes about lizard people? Come get some. Tomorrow night, Tuesday, at the Comedy Store. It is comedy chaos. We got a killer lineup. We've got Ari Shafir, Tom Segura, uh, uh, Crystal Whitney Cummings, uh, the, the Lucas Brothers, shout out black people, uh, Mookie, who is a white guy, Mookie Thompson, and Tony Hinchcliffe from Kill Tony. That's all there. That will sell out. And then a the Sunday, this Sunday also, a brand new, another comedy chaos Sunday. They're going to have that, keep that up. Oh, yeah, they're going to have that in the main room. It's Bobby Lee right now, Eddie Bravo, and I'm putting together the lineup. Guys, this Thursday through Sunday, I am live at the House of Comedy. That's right, House of Comedy, just one hour of me spitting them truth bombs, dude. Uh, go to uh, az.houseofcomedy.net and grab your tickets. Guess what? They love me so much. Tickets are a dollar now on the 99 cent comic. All right? <laughs> They put me up against a major fucking festival, okay? And it's like, Bill Burr... No, come see me, dude. I promise you. You will not hear better jokes than I'm going, dude. I am crushing it right now. At the comedy store. Crushing it. So come out and see me. Grab those tickets. It's the only time you're ever going to see me for a buck. I hope. Okay? I hope. And then next week, dude, it is tin. Foil hat comedy night, Texas style. That's right. Friday, I am, what is that? November 2nd, I am at Hyenas in Plano, Texas, dude. Me, Sam Tripley versus everyone. Uh, I got a killer lineup of comics. Look at that poster. It's lovely, okay? Come see me. I haven't played Texas. I haven't played Dallas in 10 years. This is the first time I'm back in Dallas, the Dallas area. Come get weird with me, okay? And then the following night, November 3rd, I'm at the Seeker Group, Eddie Bravo, the tinfoil hat comedy night. Eddie Bravo, myself, Reed Baker, and we're doing it at the Seeker Group in Houston. And then I promise you after that, we're going to stare at fat black stripper asses, okay? That's what we're doing. We're talking lizard people, and then we're going to go see quality black strippers. Because in Texas, they're even hotter, okay? And then the following night, Sunday, we're going to the Mecca of conspiracies, all right? Austin, Eddie Bravo, myself, Tim Fall hat, live at the stateside... At the stateside at the Paramount Theater in Austin. Grab your tickets. Those tickets are actually moving. They're all doing well. You guys are doing great, and I appreciate you. The fucking Patreon's rocking, okay? And then the Facebook group. What is the Facebook group? It is uh the Patreon. Go to patreon.com, tinfoil hat. Okay, check that out. And then the face group. Join the face group. It's a very exclusive group. Not everybody can get in. It's a, it's a private group. You got to show how much you love tinfoil hat. And uh, join it and join the community. Six hundred
2: members strong. Yeah, how much? Yeah, six hundred, and we just—I think what—three weeks. Yeah, two weeks?
1: that's pretty good, yeah. man. I mean, it's a start. It's a start. So that's our—that's our business. Uh, joining me is returning champion. Uh, literally, I would tell you he is a top three, if not top two, guest. And I mean, like, if I go, hey. You wouldn't even know it. He's, but he what he talks about, you guys love. He's wonderful. He's a good friend of mine. We went to Guam together. where we go? We went to... We
3: went to... Um... Bahrain,
1: yeah. Singapore, and uh, Diego Garcia. Yeah, and we yeah. learned that people love Filipino cover bands. Is Diego Garcia in Mexico? It sounds no, like a it does. Mexico. It doesn't <laughs> it sound like that's all you think out there. I know a guy named Diego Garcia. Yeah, tell me he has an island that he needs to claim. Yeah. Please welcome Aaron Bowden, everybody.
3: Yeah, we, well, first of all, those posters look awesome. Yeah. Those, yeah, that's great. I've
1: been blessed. I have, like, two of my friends that are great yeah. people. Love to uh, uh, Brock... And Eddie... They love to draw Edgar. They love to uh, draw them, so we're very blessed. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's awesome,
1: man. Yeah, we're going to sell those on the website Yeah,
3: those are cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I come up with a theme and I run with it. Yeah. And then join us via the power of Skype. He has a wonderful website, a wonderful YouTube channel. Uh, He had a video that kind of inspired this episode, and it blew up, and I'm so happy for him because the guy's guy's been working on his YouTube channel, and he's finally getting the respect he believes. It's from uh, Unbeliever. Media, please welcome Jerry. Right? Thank
0: you. Thanks for having me. Jerry, How's thanks for coming
1: on. You're so important. You you go by one name. You're like you're yeah. like Beyonce, Madonna. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I started doing that a couple of years ago, and I also started making people drive me around in the back of their car.
1: That's great, so
0: friend. He needed to go to surgery. I said, "Yeah, dude, pick me up."
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you just sat. "So he had to go to surgery and you sat in the back of his car while he drove himself to surgery?" Oh, yeah. He was bleeding so bad. Oh, that's great. (laughs) I like that you did it just so you didn't get blood on you. Then it just became a lifestyle choice. Absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit about your website. Uh, We were talking before the show. I love your your YouTube channel. Excuse me. I love your YouTube channel. Uh, It's such an interesting uh, take on conspiracies. I was telling you, you're kind of the adult swim of conspiracies. I hope everybody who listens (laughs) to this comes and listens to you. Now – uh, you put out this one video, and we'll get into that, and I go, who's this fucking guy with the video? So I go there, and you had like a couple hundred or a thousand subscribers, and then yep. this video just took off, and now you have more subscribers than I do, and I'm so happy for <laughs> you. <laughs> That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I, You know, I was lucky just because uh, I was going to talk about that content a couple months back, and I uh, just never really did. YouTube's a weird place. Yeah, you know, after a while when you get no views, you just kind of you're not motivated to continue shit. And I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm going to put this video up. I don't even care." It took me like a week to do cuz I'm lazy and shit. So I, I put it up. Nobody watched it the first day, and I told my fiance, "I'm done with YouTube, man. I've been at it for 2 years, made 100 bucks. I'm out of here. I'm the fuck out of here." And I went to bed, woke up, I had 20,000 views, a couple extra 1,000 subscribers. And it just didn't stop, man.
1: Nobody understands how exciting it is when you wake up and your YouTube video has like thousands of views. It's like, oh, oh, it's like Christmas. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's cr- packages, but got- free gifts.
0: But I gotta play it cool, you know what I mean? I can't I can't come out I can't come out the gates being like, Hell yeah, guys, thirty thousand views? Hell yeah, I gotta play cool. But by the time I got to one million, I was texting some of my friends and saying, Hey man, fuck you. They're like, Why?
1: You're like, tell your friend you got fuck you views, is that what you're saying?
0: He's like, dude, I put up a video of my kid playing in the park. My, only my aunt watched it. I don't care. I got more views than you.
1: <laughs> yeah. That is so good, dude. That's a wonderful feeling. And uh, I mean, like I was talking to Brandon. He's like, yeah, dude, I saw a guy's video. Brandon Schaub like really liked your video. And we'll get into kind of some of the stuff he's been talking about about this. But And then I, I remember like I saw him like this is such a good video, man. I, oh, And then I went back. I'm like 1.5 million. Holy wow. shit, dude. Like that's yeah. A,
0: it blew up. It blew up.
1: It's almost you know, like winning the lottery. It's Kate yeah. Spes-
0: it is. It it is like it is basically that. I mean, you have uh, very few chances to get any exposure on YouTube. It Doesn't really matter how good of a video you make, dude. Some some of my closest friends are some of the best creators on the platform. They have like two thousand viewers.
1: It's unbelievable. They're, they're getting dude.
0: under five hundred. You know, under five hundred views, two thousand subs. It's crazy. Oh
3: yeah, we we used so to it, do. So, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, we used to do YouTube videos and spend two, three days producing. I'm shooting them like little mini short comedy sketches and, you know, 200 views.
1: Yeah, it is crazy, man. You know, my friend, I've talked about this, my friend Jordan Lee, who I'm going to get on, has a wonderful story about YouTube. It changed his life. You know, uh, he couldn't get anything going in Hollywood, like many of us struggle. And (laughs) I, dude, I struggle, dude. I'm telling you, man, if I hadn't been doing the the podcast or the YouTube, no one would know me. I mean, I would have nothing going on. It's all self-made, you know. And, uh, you know, he just, he couldn't get anything going. And, I mean, he had a, you know, he's doing acting bits here and there. I, I mean, he's a talented man. But he just saw this guy who decided to be, he, who he followed in band. This guy had 100,000 subscribers. And he's like, this is what I did. So my friend decided, oh, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put out a video every day. Dude, this guy now, after a year and a half, travels the world paid for by fans. Yeah. It changes lives, and it's like he does really – he's kind of like you, Jerry, where he has a lot of editing, whereas I'm more like live streaming because at some point I go, you know what? I don't want to be an actor. I just want to rant and tell dick jokes. How do I do that? How do I do that? And I go, I'm just going to live stream me talking, and that's where we're at. (laughs) You know, I love multi-layered dick jokes. So today is based kind of inspired by Jerry's video. Uh, We're calling it The Ultimate Fighting Conspiracies. Okay, and I just kind of well, let's start at the beginning and it's all based on UFC 223, is it? Is it what was the two, uh, two to, 229,
0: 229, two, UFC 229 total event.
1: Khabib versus McGregor and the chaos that came from that. Uh but I I want to go I want to back it up. I want to go earlier and uh get into um just basically where this all starts. And it starts with uh, I don't know how the fight ha- how what initiated this, but basically Khabib slaps Artem Lobov Is that his last name?
0: Ar- Artem Lobov, the the true the true goat, the thirteen the thirteen and fourteen goat of MMA. <laughs> yeah. Fourteen men were able to, to conquer that that
1: mountain but only 14 there should be uh uh, some kind Mm -hmm. of regulation board i know i'm gonna lose all the libertarians on this but there should be a regulation board on on nicknames (laughs) you should not be able to give yourself a nickname the goat when you got 14 losses (laughs) i I think
0: no man it's appropriate anybody anybody who can achieve the goal of 14 losses without retiring i mean he deserves to be called the goat i won't argue his credibility of it but yeah, just I'm, believe me it's it's an earned title
1: i'm with you dude uh so i don't know how the original fight started but it's probably most likely conor McGregor talking shit about khabib because he's in his his weight class which is hilarious that Artem called himself the goat when I think there's a legit argument for Khabib being the real goat. He's 26 and up, for sure. Well, well,
0: Artem Artem actually rumor has it. See, this is it's still unconfirmed from Habib's side. Habib says that Artem Lobov called him a pussy. And his response to that was to he Habib and his friends just met up with Artem in the hallway, you know, just like they would in Dagestan. And Habib says, you know, I gave him a slap. As that's that's how he that's how he says it. He gave him a slap, and it's really not that like to me, you know what I mean it's not that bad of a slap, but I guess. And that for them, whatever cultural line got crossed right there, it got crossed.
2: And hey, But but he was he was ambushed. It was, it was not a one-on-one. Oh, yeah. It was all. Oh, no, no, no. It was Habib's whole team. It was like see, 10 dudes. I can <laughs> see Arlem just being like, hey, I'm going to take this as a loss. Yeah. like a little bitch. Give me an L, dude. Yeah, you're going to take that L. L. So I got I, I could,
1: got 13. Give me a 14,000. <laughs> <laughs> one's lost in a hallway. I'll fucking take it.
3: Oh, and he was by himself? He's
1: basically by I yeah, think he had some security with him.
0: But you yeah, know, I think, like, I think actually Abu Baker might be there. The guy, the guy that uh, um, got punched by Conor at the you know later on at the event. I think that's the only other dude that was there, and he's like a big guy. But it's still, it's still a matter of t- what, ten on two.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's cra- He is a big dude, and they tried it up, but it's like you got like fucking fifteen Dagestani's right there, fifteen twenty Dagestanis. and Dagestani's don't fuck around, dude. Like they're from that <laughs> part of the world yeah, where it's yeah. like, dude, you know. A fight could break out any fucking yeah. moment. Birthday parties, bar mitzvah, no bar mitzvahs, they're Muslims. But the point is that it could go off at any moment. And I, so, so this starts to fight. This starts to fight. And it gets into riles up Connor. Now, Connor starts talking some real shit. And he basically calls out the people in Khabib's whole squad saying that they. um. You dagestan what is the exact quote? You don't Dagestanis don't do that to Dagestanis or I forgot what the exact quote was, but it's basically calling him out on his uh his like his ethnic group and his background and that you don't call yeah call you know they don't do he
0: said a bunch of stuff like the like the my my chechen friends know all about you which is is like a direct reference to racial conflicts in that part of the caucasus mountains between the avar which is the racial group that uh, habib belongs to and the general chechens and it's sort of um i I guess it the best way to compare it is like if you think 1950s uh, America, black white race relations is very yeah. similar there in the caucuses there's some more dynamics and that's really like a literally black and white way to explain it right but that that would be that's the the line a lot of journalists have have said is like that's actually kind of racist what he was saying you know it would be a oh. comparison to like saying that maybe um, imagine a white boxer telling mike mike tyson oh you're an uncle
1: tom like
0: it, it's it's oh. almost like crossing
1: that racial line well we've as seen far as, uh, we've seen Kobe uh Connor do that with the uh yeah even though I didn't I didn't take it and uh, maybe you can explain if how you felt about uh, you know, a white guy telling an athlete that makes is going to make four hundred million dollars. Dance boy, dance, and you know, and they're like, "Oh, racism and slavery." You are like, "Ah, oh, dude, oh, no. slave me for four hundred million dollars. I'll fucking buck dance for you, motherfucker, for four hundred million fucking dollars, dude. How about you, Aaron? Would right. you do it for four hundred mil?"
0: Oh, easy, easy. You know, you know, just for for clarity. Like, I think all that shit's fine. Uh, years and years ago. When Chael Sonnen was selling a fight with uh, Anderson Silva, he kept making references to Portuguese people or Brazilian people, not even understanding technology. You know, oh that he yeah, saw the, dude! You no, know, Garra brothers tried to feed a bus a carrot and shit, and <laughs> yeah. I think that's hilarious. It's,
1: it's racially <laughs>
0: insensitive <laughs> for sure, but it's selling a fight. You know, what it am is? I gonna do? Hey, hey, two hundred and fifty pound, you know, man killer.
3: Yeah.
0: Don't don't be mean. Yeah. Uh, that's very
3: interesting. Hard. Uh, uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier called him the um, white man's Negro. Called oh, him yeah. a gorilla back in 74 oh, or something when they did. I think it was the it might have been the Thrilla in Manila.
1: It's very they interesting, fight, yeah, you know. how we accept some things from and who, in particular, in the fight game, who people get behind and who they don't. Like when John Jones fights Conor, uh, fights uh, uh, Daniel Cormier, they hate Daniel Cormier. Even though, like John Jones, I'm six oh seven for life, dog. You know we're from the same place. Just a scumbag shit constantly. You know, fucking that's America. Drinking and driving, hitting <laughs> pregnant chicks that they lose their baby. Sure. Fucking coke. And listen, dude, I'm not judging you on coke. You want to do coke before a fight? That's madness to me.
0: <laughs> everybody, right.
1: everybody thinks that's a performance enhancer. If you think coke before a fight is a performance enhancer, you've never done coke. Yeah. Because you would literally yeah, have yeah. to be doing scoops in between the fucking yeah. rounds for it to do anything.
2: And then you can't breathe. Oh, and yeah. then you can't breathe. Yeah. You can't breathe, but you got energy. That yeah. fucking doesn't work yeah. out. Yeah. You so, better you know, win in the
0: first minute. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Chuck Liddell <laughs> conspiracy too. There's a there's a lot of talk of pe- people think that Chuck Liddell was consistently on cocaine for a lot of his fights. I think there's a lot of evidence for like after, he, when he was retired, he for sure showed up to events, you know, as, as you should show up to events. But oh, there's, there's a conspiracy out there that Liddell was Why? taking some rails before fights.
1: There's not... Because we know that he would do ecstasy like a day before the fight. Like that's, that's a crazy. famous Dana White story about how he would show up. He was at the Hard Rock and the night before a fight, he sees Chuck Liddell there just fucking rolling that's on crazy. Molly <laughs> with fucking chicks. So you're breaking every rule crazy. of the fight game, yep. which is... Don't bust a nut before your fight because there goes your chi, <laughs> and then you're on fucking drugs. Dopamine's a uh, good thing. Usada you, you isn't in right now. Can oh, you, dude! They, imagine. Well, what about the fact that that Dana White basically said that uh, they don't have to tell us who flunked, and that they're not going to announce who flunked till the investigation is over. So- uh, but I think that's good. You don't think so? Well, the problem with that is that John Jones could have been fighting for two years after we know that he had a possible flunk. I mean, like, there's a debate about... Because uh, you know, ruined
2: their name. Right. Won't you say... Yeah. You wouldn't say they pop and they don't really pop. Now their name's fucking It's trash. a double-edged sword, yeah. dude.
1: It's a double-edged mm-hmm. sword. What do you do? You,
2: uh, you think
0: there Then there's, like, all those, those tribunals they have, like... You know, as as a fight fan, it kind of sucks that there's a film reel where Anderson Silva has to tell a, essentially a judge like my dick don't work. Yeah. I got to use pills cuz my dick don't work, you know, for for an hour or whatever. Like that that kind of sucks on your legacy.
1: Yeah, and dude, it's like there's a difference between taking steroids and taking a dick pill. Like I mean, right. whatever benefit you get from a dick pill, it's not enough to win a fight. You know, ACH steroid, like, dude, nobody's winning fights with boners unless you're ground and pound and you're just grinding on them, right? Which is the famous Dennis Rodman thing that he wouldn't wear a cup. So when people tried to post it, he would just grind his junk on them and they would get weirded out. That's the yeah, only time well. I could see you win that shit. So we're going back to the whole uh, with the whole thing, the whole fight game. That's a real interesting point. You guys are beating each other up. And then he says something... And then you get your feelings hurt, so now you want to hurt him more. I don't know. Khabib's, I know this guy's been fighting fucking grizzly bears since he was a kid, you know? (laughs) And he's from where it's like, dude, the rule, honor's a big shit in those areas. I watched a documentary on him, and they
3: were in Dagestan, and he had to tell the camera guy, stay with me because the guys in my village will try to fight you, just because that's what we do. We fight. All the time for fun. The camera guy's like, huh? And he's like, no, no, serious. You got to stay with me. They'll fight you. And he's like, okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So now even adds more to this 26 and 0 fucking record he has. Like, in a land of that should be called Fight Club, this guy has <laughs> beat everybody. Like, he's that dangerous yeah. of a fucking he's, he's dude. scary. Yeah,
0: he he's really scary. is. He really Would is. Not and, and be that Doc you talking about. Oh, sorry. Go on, go on. Uh, it's called Anatomy of a Fighter. It's by a guy, Will Harris. Um, there's there's a bunch of clips in there where you can kind of yourself, you know, being from the West, compare your knowledge compared to their knowledge when they get introduced to stuff from the West. Like, they tried to play basketball, and those guys didn't even understand dribbling. They just tried to tackle each other and, and beat each other up. That the the... the filmmaker is shooting three-pointers while the other dudes are punching each other on the <laughs> sidelines, you know? Dude, it's, a, it's a different
1: world. Just so much testosterone over there, dude. Just yeah. I mean, and now now like if I'm Connor, I'm like, I think Connor's big mistake was not doing a bunch of press conferences with this guy. Yeah. When he limited it to one or two, he fucked himself.
2: You think he would have fucked more with Khabib's head if he oh, would have seen him every single day? What you
1: gotta do, dude? Look how he got on Jose Aldo's head. I mean, they made that a world. He was just relentless. Because he did dude.
2: get it, could be and could be in like in his mindset, not too much, but you could tell he was literally like, "Let's talk, let's talk." You know how he's like, he was right, literally right. being up. He's like, "Let's talk, let's talk, Let's talk now." Yeah, let's talk now. And I'm just like, the best we-
1: thing he could have done was to talk about how he doesn't have balls enough to stand and fight with me, because that would be his only hope. Yep. And there was no hope with that either. His only hope would be to be able to fucking to knock him out
3: mayweather used that as a tactic when i think when he first got out of prison his first fight he purposely had his opponent take charge of doing all the press because he knows it takes it out of you yeah. so he should have had mm-hmm. khabib just doing a bunch of stuff like him and mayweather did and just get keep just getting in his head getting his head and stand up and fight with him because mm-hmm. you can't fuck with him on the wrestling match. Yeah.
2: You're, you're well, done. Well Anybody. Knew, well, Connor knew if he didn't train enough, he wasn't going to beat him. So that's another thing that was right. going through his head. Either way, I ain't going to beat this motherfucker, so I might as well just fucking try to beat him by really training.
1: I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I think as a fighter, you think you could win every fight. But what he didn't do is use his strength, which is shit talking. Yep. And like mm-hmm. he's gotten in everybody's fucking head. And this is the first time he didn't get into somebody's head. And when you talk about his wrestling, he's known for throwing Daniel Cormier around in practice. They talk about it. Yeah. He throws an Olympic wrestler yeah. around. This is a this isn't like a, a, a job. This is his life. Yeah. He's been doing this forever. And like so, so he gets in uh, Artem's head. He gets in, and this starts the fight between them. So. When the fight with, who was it? Was this going to be the Tony Ferguson fight where he was on for the bus, right?
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah, then it got switched to Ally Aquinta.
1: Yeah, because Tony Ferguson got hurt, but he shows up. Now, here's where we go. Do we believe that uh, this guy put out something, kind of gets his ball rolling, and then we'll get into what... Um, uh, Khabib said, but basically this guy on Reddit, and by the way, I love fucking Reddit, okay? <laughs> I just fucking love it. I just – I've abandoned listening to everything else and just – I go on this. But uh, I'm trying to find a name of this. A Reddit user named uh, Hoosier Pride put out this thing that's been taken down and I just searched the web forever and finally someone copied and pasted it to something. But he basically, it's called, did the UFC play a role in the, U, in the UFC 223 bus attack, where this all starts? And it's basically, it goes, for a long time, I suspe- I was su- suspicious about an official explanation about the bus attack at the Barclays Center by Dana and the UFC. And so, so Ratfuck became a detective, dove into this whole Black Beast style. I don't even know what that meant. It's almost like he had a heart attack halfway through typing that. But I guess that means (laughs) he's going to go deep into it. And basically, what he's basically saying is there is evidence that the UFC kind of let this happen and kind of uh, maybe that they didn't know that it was going to escalate to that, but they knew that Conor versus Khabib would be a huge sell. And that something big would kind of let that... Would ma- basically make the pay-per-views explode.
2: Right. They must have let some of it happen. How you let 30 hooligans in?
1: Well, there's actually a video mm-hmm. of a woman...
2: That's my question is,
3: why was Conor McGregor there in the first place? like... Well, he's trying
0: to defend um, Artem at that yeah. point. Right. But, 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 but he said he went there. He's not said he even it, there. Like, not like, ganged even... up with his boys in the same way Habib did. Yeah. That's his. Right. That's no. No. I don't this. mean
3: there in the fight. I mean there in general. He's not even in the UFC at this point, right? He just he was just happened to be there to to hang out with the boys. No, he body. didn't he he just happen to be he there.
2: there. He, flew he, yeah, he flew for that. He flew. So he got Yeah. He got his jet. His jet plane. Oh, so the slap was the day before. Yeah, like a day before, a couple days before, and then he's like. I got to fucking right, be Irish. Die, I got to right. be Irish and I got to go represent.
1: So there's actual video and you can see it on YouTube. We're not going to show it because that's how you get the shit flag. But there's a video of, of a uh, employee named Victoria Kogan, C-O-G-H-L-A-N. And she's <laughs> in charge of communication director at UFC. Okay. She's not part of the Mac life according to this thing. And she she can be seen leading the entire group of Connor's entourage yep. um, into uh, this elevator, which is kind of funny. It's almost like some old kind of like con- uh, comedy where it's like uh, the whole mob's coming, but they got to wait on the elevator. Right. Yep. They're like, do, do, do. And they're all just sitting there looking <laughs> at their watches. Hey, how's your family doing? <laughs> right? And then the door's open, and they all r- run after him. But she let him in there, so the notion that... The Barclay Center, or or he just bum rushed and there's nothing to do, isn't exactly true. And I'm not saying this lady is a bad person. I mean, like Conor McGregor, your biggest star just walked through. I'm sure Dana White's like green light anything he wants to do. Right. We have to, we need him. Let him go. So they kind of uh, he brought him down there. All right, so he gets on the elevator. They go right. down.
3: So so to remember, the third round of the mayweather mcgregor tour was at the barclays center right right so it's almost is that a staging place for them to do operations because the owner of the of the nets is a russian billionaire
1: oh yeah a very right? oh, H- who yeah, owns yeah.
3: the team so it's almost like here's a little staging place we did the mayweather thing here maybe we'll do maybe they didn't have it exactly planned out but we'll do it at the barclays center because we control that environment and it's possibly.
1: just chaos and it's where like hey you're going to do some weird shit do it here cuz the barclays center is like nobody's going to watch the nets they need some fucking kind of business going on there <laughs> right yeah,
0: that that's actually that's actually part of the problem is that because that took place at the barclays center you would think that they that barclays would come out and say hey you know hey we fucked up with security we should have been paying attention we're sorry nah nothing yeah. you would expect that if if I showed up somewhere to beat the shit out of someone and got there and eventually, you know, terrorized the bus and broke a bunch of glass. They would come out and put out a public statement, Twitter, Facebook, something and say, "Yo guys, we fucked up. We shouldn't have let that dude in. Hey, our bad." Now they said nothing. They took essentially uh no responsibility for it in the same way you would if you had made sure that that was going to happen. Right? Or- so like I think most people would agree the UFC couldn't have expected people to get, you know, uh, what happened to Mike Yessa, what happened to Ray Borg. You know, they can't expect people to, to press charges and lawsuits and all other shit. But they for sure let Conor and his team back there for whatever happened. There's so little security between not just Barclays, but from the UFC, too. You know, there's no fighter handler right there either.
1: Well, and there, what, what is very interesting is something that Khabib came out later on was also talking about was a basically, and this is his quote, I had a camp of 20 consisting of 20 people with me for the Iaquinta fight. We have rented our own bus to get to the pra- to practice and back. You know what's interesting? UFC told me that I must ride alone for the media day. Can't bring your crew with you. Okay? <laughs> so I didn't go with my, my team. I went with the fighters from the red corner. I had... Two people with me, and one of my guys was my manager. Okay, look at it carefully, The which is interesting. So now they say, Hey, don't bring your people. You can't bring your people. You're the UFC, uh, whatever 155, one, 155 champ. You can't bring your entourage with you. Strange. That's so fucking right? strange, right? So then you can't bring – and all this is allegedly, okay? So don't get on me, Dana White, Who's a nice guy. When I met him, I have no problems with Here's him. Here's
3: another – just a little <laughs> little tidbit is um, Mikhail so, – and sorry if I butchered these names. Pro- Prokhorov, he's the owner of the Nets, yeah. Russian oligarch. You ever know his story, right? He and Khabib went to the same college different times. It's called the Financial Institute. It's changed its name over the years. Moscow Financial Institute or the financial. Weird um, connections yeah, weird, on that. Yeah, weird, just little, I mean, you know.
1: Weird connections, weird connections. on that. Now, you know his whole story. He made a bunch of money in, like, energy in Russia. So one day he goes to this big convention. And he did a giant, he had a giant yacht full of nothing but tens, Smoking <laughs> hot tens, and fucking bikinis. Fucking balling, right? Somebody accused him of bringing hookers. So his company goes it's so embarrassing we're buying you out we're buying out all your stocks he fucking cashed out. Dude, 2 days or 3 days later, this Russian stock market crashed. He's the only one who fucking <laughs> had his money. Isn't that Fuck crazy? With the nice.
2: Like, how lucky.
1: How lucky, dude. Poor all the
2: women saved the day.
1: Yeah, hot. <laughs> you know? Hot ladies save the day. So, so Connor uh, uh, Khabib gets told don't bring your uh don't bring your entourage. Done. Okay. So now he's on the bus. Here's where it gets weird. The bus is leaving and he goes, okay, uh, I wish I had my people blah, 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 blah. Look, look at this carefully. The bus is going out and all of a sudden it stops, backs up. Why? We are almost out. Now you see that the crowd is running at us. What is the bus driver doing? He's supposed to get out of there, but he stops and goes. It doesn't just stop. He reverses it.
0: Yeah, there's something up with the door right there too. The 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 sliding door because you know everybody, it's a bunch of fighters taking the footage, so the the footage is all fucking shitty. But the uh the, the that metal sliding garage door is supposed to come down right there, and it's like stopped halfway, almost right where the bubble of the bus comes. Yeah. You know, so th- that that's weird in itself. Why wouldn't that be opened all the way?
1: Yeah. You, Why you is know? that closed?
0: You. You know – you're Barclays Stadium. You know you got a bus leaving with, with, pro, with pro athletes on there, a couple million dollars worth of assets for a company that, that you obviously have a hand in, you know what I mean, in, in some capacity. And you don't open up the way for their bus to leave. You yeah. know it's leaving. Yeah. You know you got all those fighters there and they're on their way out.
1: And I'm sure you, that Barclays wants to pay ball with the UFC because the UFC puts on fights. And everybody wants to fight Madison Square Garden. How many people want to fight at the Barclay? Uh What a great way to get in with them is to play ball with them.
0: Dude, an NBA G League would have had better security in that situation than than those MMA champions in the biggest league in the world.
1: So, I mean, like, I just don't think that the UFC thought would get to that.
0: For sure. I mean, they, they obviously had had to have thought it would at least get to the 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 Nate versus Connor bottle throwing, right? We yeah. know Connor's good for some destruction, some local hazard. But absolutely to the extent that like what happened to Mike Yessa is that, that I think that's where it crosses the line is a fighter legitimately got hurt, you know? And I think they couldn't have expected somebody to actually get hurt. I think they tell Connor, maybe not tell him, but it's that Gentleman's rule, like, okay, man, don't take it that far, you know.
2: I thought they just wanted them to rough up the bus a little bit, kind of scare Connor. They didn't think this fucker was literally going to get Not a dolly. Scare Connor. No, I mean, sc- scare Khabib. Scare Khabib. Yeah, I didn't think they would mm-hmm. actually expect him to get a fucking dolly and toss it across that thing.
1: Well, it's just so interesting because you know the Irish like to fight too. So you're getting these two cultures probably having some like. They
2: yeah. like to drink, both of them motherfuckers. I don't
1: know. I don't, I don't know if Dagestan, is it mostly Muslim? Because if it's mostly Muslim... Yeah, they're Muslim, mostly Muslim. They don't drink. No. I, I mean, they could be like Mormons where you have Jack Mormons and they drink, but they tell everybody they don't drink. That's, it's definitely possible. Yeah. But, I mean, the truth is, it's like he doesn't drink, but they both come from fighting the fighting Irish. I mean, like, that that's a culture that fights. famous Irish boxers forever.
3: There, there's two, and this is you know it's super tinfoil hat, but there's that you know that aspect that um and, and I, we won't get into it fully because but, because there's tons of videos, tons of stuff about the MK Ultra athletes, and people think Connor is one of them. You know he's he's been handled by Chael Sonnen and Dana White, and you can see these glitches where he just freezes. He doesn't talk. He's got Dana White touching his back and then slapping his wrist. He's on live TV. Say something nice about I think it was yeah Jose Aldo, and he's he just stands there all glitched out. Like um you know you can see him on um I've heard on ESPN, that too. and the and uh, Chael's giving him the the horn signals, and he put literally looks like he goes into a trance and there's other athletes you know serena williams they some people believe the, the first one was tiger woods because his dad earl woods was a was a in army intelligence tiger woods was on the mike douglas show in the 70s two years old smacking putts in from 10 feet with bob hope on there and bob hope is one of the original mk guys really? he used to get all the broads for the um through his Hollywood connection, got him MK Ultra through the military, and then so now that stuff you know we've gone over it about the singers, the rappers, the stars. It's the athletes too.
1: I th- Someone said so, that they brought you know, up. Do you think athletes could be MK Ultra? I'm like, I don't know, but the more and more I think about, it, like, like LeBron James is different than anybody we've seen. I've never seen anybody get this much television love and carry such a corporate line of. Uh, yeah, like, he just follows the narrative of what the left wants to say. And, like, dude, he's got a show on HBO and Showtime. That, <laughs> that is being a blood yeah. and a crypt. Yeah. You don't yeah. do that, dude. That yeah. nev- well, the,
0: the, one of the things that LeBron does I don't, that a lot of people don't really notice is he is fully conscious of the entertainment value of the whole spectacle. Right, so not just like making a dunk and and flexing, but even his transitions from one side of the court to the other, he's putting on a, a bit of entertainment. The way he looks around, you if you look at phantom footage of him, he's always putting on a show for the cameras, and he's he's always increasing that entertainment value of the LeBron James brand. Right, so he he's uh, internalized that corporate speak where every after every game hey that was a good team we played hard we could have done this better we could have done that better real easy non-controversial yeah
2: Yeah. um example when a a
0: popular topic comes out he's always on that side whatever the most popular thing is you know and and that's that's mostly him being like brand aware you know understanding that 13 year old kids are gonna buy a bunch of a, a bunch of lebron james shoes now and he's got to keep up this particular image.
1: I want to ask right? about that. You had something to say real quick. Oh, actually? well,
2: that's why I think I, on the Lakers game, if you notice, everyone's trying to fight. He's the only one who's like, "Hey, fuckers!" Well, because two of his best it. friends yeah.
1: are on the other side, yeah. like the Banana mm-hmm. bowl Crews and, on the other man, team.
2: And, and I know I I found it a little bit impressive. I was like, "Holy fuck!" There's literally blows. Everyone's in a fight, and you honestly were like, "Hey." But, like, everyone says his
1: brand. He's got to protect
2: it. He's not stupid. Chris
1: Paul looked up to him like his dad just busted him, like, fighting the neighbor. (laughs) He's like, please spit on me. And LeBron's like, be nice, son. That's how we got to do it. Let me ask you something. Because you said whatever brand, whatever side's more popular. I think... He, a lot of people want to be, oh, uh, LeBron versus Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan is very conscious of uh, not taking political sides. You know, it's a very famous line of his, Republicans buy sneakers too. But LeBron seems to have thrown that all out the window and gone very hard on his one side. And I do feel like that's a little Ultra ish mm-hmm. because... You know, it's like when you see Jennifer uh, Lawrence do it and like her movies have suffered. Yeah. And you yep. get into like at some point they tell you you got to jump on the sword. And it's almost what you've said before where he's like where it's like they're going to embarrass you publicly. Yeah. They're going to pull you aside and tell you they're going to embarrass you publicly. But with him, it's kind of worked out in his favor because it's hard with sports
2: unless you're Michael Jordan.
1: Unless you're LeBron may- James trying to relate to what Jerry just said, which is selling thirteen year old kids, in particular inner city kids, your sneakers in a sense of hey, you got a fucking I'm like you, dude. Even though since I was thirteen years old, I've been driving Hummers and living like a fucking <laughs>
0: king, right? Taking PTS or taking uh, PEDs all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank but, you remember, for saying that. Remember
0: He's- too, though, uh, you know Michael Jordan's
3: father was murdered. Man, he had his blood sacrifice. And if you watch him on Oprah, not long after it, his reaction's very odd to a guy who, you know, two guys supposedly robbed oh, him while I he was never in a car, about and she had that. him on it. She goes, "Aren't you mad at the guys?" He goes, "You know, not really. Haven't haven't really thought about it much. Don't." It's, it's a, it's a, and you can, and death is different for everybody, but it's a strange death reaction, is different man. different for have, everybody. But, but you, you got to pay the piper with blood, and and then they're going to embarrass you. Black athletes, black rappers, actors, they like to put them in dresses. That's one of their things. They, yeah. They put, yeah. They dress I mean, you up if in you a dress look at, and then, oh, why, the
2: only one is like Cat William, Dave Chappelle, and they kind of get ghost for a little bit. Dave Chappelle said no to the dress. Yeah, and yeah. he got ghost for a little bit. Yep. He's South Africa, all of a sudden he's in Africa.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, if you take a look at uh, LeBron, you remember he said they painted the M word on his house? And there's no evidence of it. There's no picture of it. Mm-hmm. There's no—he just said it, and they ran with it. And it's like the people right, that— what it happened. Hi- what?
0: He says, he says, yeah, that, like, the extent of it is, it happened. Yeah. And then you're supposed to go off of that.
1: And, they're like, he's so—it's di- almost like Hillary where they just run with what he says. You know, there's no fact checking. It's like, oh, the king just said that or Hillary and they just run with it. It's very interesting, dude. I mean, like when stuff fits a narrative, you don't
0: you don't necessarily have to, like, qualify something whenever it fits your narrative already. You know, right. So so if even if it's even if nobody did come and paint the N word and maybe somebody like casually used it in in passing while they walked by him. Like it, it's all opportunities for them to attach it to the more popular narrative. I right? and can the relate to you. That he can't walk around, you know, without getting. For sure, LeBron James has a a commercial in in the in the waiting about the time he got harassed by police. I promise. Give it a couple of months. I promise.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like it's all part of the narrative. It's a he's it's and it's like. It's they have to relate to these people. I'm not going to say names, but there's like I know female comics that are huge. And all they talk about is how hard it is to be a woman in Hollywood. And there's just sexual predators everywhere. And I'm like, how many TV shows do you have to have before you go? I've had it pretty good. Do you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> right. it's not, I'm not saying that you didn't go through anything, right. but the notion that, like, because o- when you did open mics, a, a dude you didn't want to have sex with wanted to have sex with you and hit on you doesn't mean this fucking, I guess it does, a, it is a pit of vipers, but doesn't mean, like, you're a second-class citizen. you got to believe him. Well, that's how that's they relate to say, women. yeah. you yeah. got to believe them. Yeah, yeah true. Jonah,
0: don't, don't say you don't believe
2: them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nope. Can't say and
1: that. that. And then what about Amy Schumer coming out? Oh, uh, dude, I'm not going to do any any uh any Super Bowl videos, uh, commercials. Nobody was asking you to do a Super Bowl commercial.
0: <laughs> I I have broken up about that. Man, uh, this is my outpouring of emotion about it now.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm um, having that moment. Do you want to have – okay, we'll be quiet. Have your moment. Oh, it's it's past. Sorry. Okay, okay. my bad. My bad. <laughs> but, so let's get into your video, man. And I, I want you to take it through. Uh, what made you decide to do this? Uh, what's the name of the video? So when everybody listens to this thing, come check out your stuff.
0: Uh, the the video on my channel, it's called How Conor McGregor Exposed the Habib Nurmagomedov Conspiracy. And it's, it's episode three in a series that I call Dangerous Ideas. Essentially, I've been... Uh, an MMA fan now for i guess like 20 years um you know back in pride we used to watch vale tudo and all that stuff and i've been active in everybody's message board sure dog and, and reddit all over the internet and since like 2013 2014 the internet has had this unrelenting hate for Ali Abdelaziz and the the closer and closer habib got to the title the more these stories started to pop up about basically Ali and Habib's like strange connections to Russian oligarchs. Right. Yeah. And uh, eventually after a number, there's a bunch of investigative journalists that have put together different parts of the whole, I guess, story that I put together in my video guys like Mike Russell and Karim Zidane, and they've exposed certain parts of it, but the internet has been on all three of these major players. They've been on their tail for years and developing this story. And I just took what everybody's been talking about, everybody's grievances and all the factual information I could find and just put it into one pa- like consumable package. It's great. Uh, there, there's another channel that did literally the same thing I did, but it's a 20 minute video and it, it's um, kind of boring. You know, I, right. the only reason why people would refer to mine instead of theirs is, is because of the uh, production value. You know? yeah,
1: you had great production value, dude. I was like yeah. blown away again. It goes back Thank to how you. great your channel is. So let's just start with the, the major players, man. Uh, th- so this this uh, the guy you mentioned, wh- which is his name again, uh, Ari or Ali Ali Abdelaziz. And who yeah, yeah, Let, yeah. break in that he is Ka- he's Khabib's manager. And he right.
0: has- he's actually probably the most powerful in- individual in all of sports management as far or as all of mixed martial arts management. He's the most powerful mixed martial arts manager in the business right now.
1: And it's a, just an insane story because of his history. It's kind of nuts. Basically, can you break down his, his checkered past?
0: Well, uh, the, the vast majority of this comes via a number of books um, and people like uh, Mike Russell, investigative journalists and all, all these sources and stuff I've cited in my videos notes, but essentially Ali Abdelaziz attempted to come to the United States, uh, probably like, I think it was 2001, um, around September 11th, um, in an attempt to, what he says, to train with the Olympic Judicas from Egypt, right, the, the Olympic Judica team. Um, but they they were stopped, they were prevented from entering the country in Egypt, and arrested, and around that time he became an informant for the FBI as, a, as a, a member of what's called the Muslims of America.
1: Okay, which, there's, a, there's a group called the Muslims of America and like I don't have problems with Muslims in America, but this group right.
0: obviously <laughs> yeah, represents you know, that's something. That's an important point that's to Muslims make. Is it's in not America. a bunch of Muslims in America. Right. Right? It's a, a group with that name specifically. Right. It's and like which, the Patriot Act. There's name,
1: nothing Patriot about it
0: right no 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 they they specifically chose that name to make that particular argument right right it's a tactical setup you know that way you if you were to say like oh i hate the muslims of america that's how it sounds yeah 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 talking about a specific group yeah, yeah, you know Yeah, yeah. um and there's a lot of evidence that ali abdelaziz has given in like books like enemies within um there's another one too unfortunately i forgot um And where he he leads us to believe that he was a member of this group in his attempt to come into the United States on or around September 11th in
1: 2001.
0: Oh, my God. uh, Specifically from Egypt to New York is the flight that he's he's referenced. Now, he says he's on his way to Colorado, which is where he would end up later on. Um, But as soon as he became an informant for the FBI, they shipped him like around the world, essentially in, in different MOA locations. A big thing about the MOA is it's a smaller cell of an actual legitimate terrorist network called um, jamaat Ul Fukra. And they're crazy. Like, they're, they have videos talking about how they hope to support the logistic measures of a World Trade Center bombing from 1991, is when they put that video out. Um, Ali Abdelaziz himself turned over to, inf- to the FBI videos of their military training. Of them taking over cars, buildings, practicing martial arts, which was his job was to train them in martial arts. Now again, he himself has said that it was his job and references it in a time period before he's an FBI informant. Right. And that he continued to do that job as part of his job as an FBI informant. So it's it's not just that they were told him to go do it. He was already doing it, according to him.
1: Unbelievable. He was that's, caught with that's,
3: five passports when he was coming right. to Colorado. And so they got him. He had five different or fake passports.
1: Now, is that when he was trying to train with the Egyptian team? That's when he got busted well, with five passports? That's when he, he says the reason
0: he was coming to the States was to train as part of the Olympic team. Um, he's also said that he like, placed ninth or something like that. When in reality, he didn't, the dude didn't make weight and didn't even compete <laughs> and was like on a deep alternate roster right yeah. he, he's he's so irrelevant to those judicas it's crazy that he would even try to say it but it uh, it worked now here's the thing i'm glad you brought up his forged documents because jamaat ufukra is actually more popular for their forged documents as far as the fbi is concerned than they are their terrorist acts and as i outlined in my movie they've done thousands of terrorist acts yeah. but every time people get caught and they get thwarted the person has forged documents forged passports forged checks all things, coincidentally, Ali Abdelaziz has allegedly been a caught doing. Like he's he's been caught, um, according to a number of investigative journalists, forging documents. He's been caught uh forging passports, forging checks. Uh,
1: now is he still doing that? Thing,
0: has that been well, up that, to recently? That, this is again this is again Back in two thousand and one and two thousand and three is when the vast majority of his legal problems happened as far as that's concerned.
1: Wow, wow and again how...
0: again, some of this is potentially part of his uh FBI investigation. You know he hasn't said he's um been with he's withheld so much information and lied about enough things that it's hard to pinpoint when certain stuff happened or you know, hey, what did the FBI even make you do? Did you have to get arrested for this? Did, you know, what of this is, is espionage ops, good guy stuff? And what is, of this is bad guy, you know, secret, infiltrate Americas do bad guy stuff? You know what you I mean?
1: know what he sounds like to me? He sounds like Snoop Dogg. Now, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> listen to me. I know you guys think I'm crazy, man, but Snoop Dogg got off for murder on a trial that everybody thought he was a sitting duck for. And then that's why Tupac hated him because he thought he snitched him out and then snitched out people. And then he went on to do all these insane, like TV shows. He's everywhere. Scott used to rap about gang yep. banging, doing drugs, had a porn line, had a weed line, had everything line, still doing Sesame Street. I mean, that is when you're (laughs) juiced in, man. So now you look Mm -hmm. at this guy, this this manager, now he's got all these – you're saying he's one of the most powerful managers in MMA. Like, that sounds like someone who's fucking got connections.
3: Let me throw in one more tidbit, a little thing that makes you go, hmm. The guy, the lawyer who represented McGregor at his bail hearing in New York, his name is Jim Walden. He is with a firm called Walden, Heron, and Macht. Now, John Heron, Jim Walden, and Timothy Macht were all at one point U.S. assistant district attorneys in the Northern District or the Eastern District for the state of New York. Now, John Heron worked, counseled the NSA and the FBI on terrorism, intelligence, and espionage, right? Now, John, Jim Walden also repped. Uh, his name's Grigory Rodchenkov, who's the subject of that Oscar-winning documentary, Icarus, about the Russian blood-doping scandal, who's now in the witness protection program because the Russians okay. were going to kill him because he and banned their whole, their whole team. And his so that's fought. the same dude who represented Connor. and then they got Abdul Al-Aziz in there, like, is it all tied in like they're working together oh my in a God, dude. thing? You know, dink.
1: That's insane!
2: Yeah, he's in, he, He's here in the states, and his family is like literally getting like not punished, but they're not letting him leave. Leave Russia. Oh yeah, dude. your dad's a snitch. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta well, pay he just dues.
1: realized he's like, fuck it. This could oh. be my way out, because I'll to crash and burn. But you were saying some interesting stuff because you really get into the Illuminati. So basically, this guy's a former terrorist. He was like fucking. He was. He was. Uh. He was. Um. Booking f- fights. On, like, World Series of oh, Fighting. Yeah, oh. yeah.
0: yeah. At, well, well, when he worked for World Series of Fighting, uh, and this is pretty much common knowledge. This isn't uh, via a source of any type. This is just common knowledge. He was the president the, and the matchmaker of uh, World Series of Fighting, while also being the owner, or at least the head manager, of Dominance MMA. So he would have fighters, guys like Justin Gaethje, come in, and he he would frequently... Uh, negotiate with himself for his own fighter (laughs) to get more money from his own company that he wasn't funding. So like in, in some cases, again, Justin Gaethje is a good example. Um, You know, all respect to him, outstanding athlete. Nobody had heard of him for shit ever. One of his earlier fights in world series of fighting, at least in in that organization, he made over, over a quarter million dollars for that fight.
1: Oh my God.
0: (laughs) right and, and Ali Abdelaziz, between the two or three guys that he had on one card, made himself a quarter of a million dollars right from his cut uh of their of their take, so the dude, not only was he like on both ends of those deals, he was actually killing that business by not booking the best possible fights and kept kept booking his own fighters constantly. They let him go in two thousand and fifteen. They parted ways with him uh, and cited a conflict a potential conflict of interest
1: potential
0: the whole. Dude, the whole MMA community, this was like one of the things that, that exposed me to it wasn't that that people don't like him it's that people fucking hate him yeah. was the response to him getting let go they didn't there was one that i saw that was like a world series of fighting is going to get a new president and the top comment the article didn't even mention ali the top comment was anything that gets that that company out of the hands of ali abdelaziz is good by me and somebody else was like here comes the yakuza and and then the guy replied <laughs> he says anything besides Ali Abdelaziz. Yeah, for sure.
1: The community
2: hates the guy. Yeah,
1: I can't see how Terrence has a wonderful personality on (laughs) how to win friends and influence people.
2: Well, he has over 100 clients. Yeah. I was thinking about it. He's got Eddie, yeah, Frankie Edgar, Cody Grabber, really? Rashad Evans. Yeah yeah it's, he's big it's, time. yeah he's big time for sure big time and
0: if you if you go into sure dog if you go into some of the the forums around oh, uh i would say like 2015 2016 you can see forum posters outlining the next three or four signees they're like they they would see a picture of habib and frankie edgar and the top comment would be ali's gonna sign this guy in a week boom ali signs this guy in a week uh uh Chris Weidman took a picture. He happened to be with one of Ali's fighters. Three weeks later, Chris Weidman's in uh, Chechnya hanging out with Ramzan
1: Kadyrov. Oh, yeah, that you know fucking I mean? shady it's, fuck. It's, right? That yeah. guy's a shady fuck. Yeah. How about that guy? I love that clip you used where the guy interviewed him about killing gays. He's like, hey, dude, why are you killing gays? And the guy's like, why the fuck did this guy fly in here and talk to me <laughs> yeah, like oh, that? Yeah. And you just yeah, see, oh, yeah. like... The, and I that could sense the fear of the reporter going, "Oh shit, we're not in Kansas anymore." Yeah. Why you ask such questions? Yeah, <laughs> peculiar. You're like, yeah, he looks well, like yeah, fucking Larry are, yeah. the Cable Guy, or the guy <laughs> who likes Larry the Cable Guy. That ain't Larry the Cable Guy. No.
0: Right. That's actually probably, uh, in my opinion, that's the biggest mark against Ali Abdelaziz is his connection to Ramzan Kadyrov. Look, you can make bad business decisions and run companies into the ground. It's not my business. It's not my company. I don't care. Right. All these fighters, they don't care what you do. They're getting banked. Right. When he, he started shipping fighters over for Kadyrov's PR movement, that's when that's when shit's real. And for guys like Fabricio Verdum, they say, oh, don't bring politics into it. You guys are bringing politics into it. Oh, the he represents Verdum, went,
1: too? I'm sorry? Does he represent Verdum,
0: too? Uh, Yeah, he does. He oh does represent God. Verdum. And actually, Ali Abdelaziz got Fabrizio Verdum to essentially be the ambassador for the UFC in Russia, specifically through the conduit of Ramzan Kadyrov and his Akbot MMA
1: company. Akbar, and Oh my god, dude. Now real quick cuz we got to wrap it up in about 2 minutes or so. Uh did you have any weird like Illuminati shit about the actual fight? You said like times and Gosh. all that. Shit? The actual fight uh, only
3: that it ended at 3 minutes and 30 seconds into the 4th round. The, the big old 33 right there staring you in the face. Here's another weird thing too is on the on the Khabib uh Khabib press conference at the end he came out he did a couple minutes remember that he took his belt there was a uh, monster energy drink and something else right here and you know monster energy drink 666 six, 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 six in hebrew he took his belt and he covered it up like fuck you illuminati the and do then f- he took his hat off he did his thing and left but he specifically covered it up because oh, so that thing was there fucking interesting to make dude. money
1: I could talk to you guys all fucking day. I want to appreciate uh, Jerry for coming in. Jerry, you were excellent. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Please, anytime you want to come on, you got anything, a video coming out you want to promote, Please, I mean, at some point, my video, my channel is going to be small in years, so you'll be doing me a favor. <laughs> but uh, I would love to have you on anytime, Jerry. You're great. Thanks, for Aaron, having me. Aaron, you're a fucking G. Thanks, I want man. you to do. I got red eye comedy coming out. It's called, excuse me, third eye comedy night. It's going to be, I believe, November twenty first at the dojo. I'd love for you to be love on it, that. Love man. Love And it we'll start doing yeah. it. XG. You're a, you're I a fucking grown ass man, <laughs> Aaron. I would ask you thoughts, but we're running out of time. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This was a fucking wonderful episode. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, guys.